Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Wattalis, and after a week off last week, here I am to bring you another episode of Talking Sports with Evan. Lots to talk about in the world of sports, especially baseball, where Craig Council is no longer the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. I am going to discuss that in tonight's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. Going to talk about some potential names of potential candidates for the managerial job of the Milwaukee Brewers and give my reaction to the news that, well, Craig Council is no longer the Brewers manager. I'm also going to discuss the Packer victory over the Los Angeles Rams, what I, my opinion on that win, if it was a good win or not, and what I would like to see this week against the Steelers and the Milwaukee Bucks. We are handful of games into the season for the Bucks, and um, it's been a, I guess, Jekyll and Hyde operation for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, They've looked really good at times, and they've looked really suspect at times. But they are currently at six, uh, five and two, looking to improve to six and two tonight, playing the Indiana Pacers, where the Bucks currently um, hold a three-point lead, and Giannis is two points away from a fifty-point spot, as he is one of just two guys in double figures for the Bucks tonight. And Giannis is trying to will the Bucks to victory pretty much on his own. And I'm going to discuss my feelings on the Bucks thus far. If I'm panicked, if I'm not, um, and I'm sure most of you aren't going to be surprised with where I sit um, in regards to the Milwaukee Bucks. But starting out, the Milwaukee Brewers. So... I am not surprised one bit the Craig Council lot. If you remember a couple shows ago, a few shows ago, when I a couple weeks ago, when I had Tristan Thomas on, uh, where I had to leave the show briefly because of my Wi-Fi kicking me out, I commented that I felt Council was gone. I felt he was going to be gone because. The Brewers granted permission for the New York Mets and then later the Washington, uh, sorry, the Cleveland Guardians to speak with Craig Council. To me, that was the first sign the council was gone. Because why, if his contract's expiring in just a few days, why are you seeking permission to talk to him? To me, that was council letting the Brewers know that, hey, I am uh, leaning towards leaving. And I would like to be able to speak to some teams prior to free agency. Um, so that was my my first indi- indication that he was gone. Before that, I, I had a feeling that he would not be the Brewers manager in 2024. And that I would be originally leaning that he was probably going to take a year off. Obviously, he was going to come back as a manager in 2024. Then it became a matter of where. The other red flag I had that council was not going to be returning is I want to say a week ago, the reports came out, I think late last week, that if the Brewers were willing to match the offer 
somebody gave counsel, counsel would give the Brewers they a chance to match that deal. To me, that was counsel's people, counsel's camp playing PR, trying to spin it that Craig Counsel in this situation was the good guy. He wanted to stay in Milwaukee. He put the ball in the the Brewers' uh, court, and it was now up to the Brewers on if they brought him back or not. And I think he knew they wouldn't, and he was trying to save face in Milwaukee, being that he his family still lives in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is home to him. So when he stated that I would, and I shouldn't say he stated, when it was stated, came out that he was willing to uh, give the Brewers a chance to match whatever offer he got. To me, that was a red flag that he was leaving. Now, him going to the Cubs, nobody anticipated that. Nobody thought that Craig Council was going to sign a contract with the Cubs. They, they had David Ross as their manager. Why would they sign Council? They have David Ross. The Mets the Guardians, and the Astros were really the three teams that really started to churn as the three potential landing spots outside of Milwaukee. And then Ken Rosenthal put out the tweet that made Brewer fans everywhere cry in their beer, myself included, if I had a beer in front of me. Not really cry, though. But anyway, that Craig Council is going to the Cubs. And I've heard it all since then. It's a betrayal. It's a the worst betrayal to Wisconsin sports since Brett Favre went to the Vikings. Uh, I heard it all. And I think having a few days, I didn't give the day it happened. I didn't jump on in front of the computer screen and do a show and give you pure emotions, which probably would be better content than what I'm giving you today. Um, but... It is what it is. Council left. Council is now the manager of the Cubs. I I think Council wanted to manage the Cubs for the fact that the Cubs are looking to be back to being contenders. They did a little bit of a rebuild. They let David Ross kind of stabilize things, and now they feel they're ready to make a run. They play in a very bad division. The NL Central is not good. Um the Brewers won the division, but not because the Brewers were a great team. They were just the best team out of, of out of the bad division. That's ultimately what happened. And the Cubs have an ownership group. The Cubs have an owner that is willing and able to spend a lot of money. And coincidentally enough, a day or two after Council signs with the Cubs, it's now being reported that the Cubs are in conversations pretty much with every free agent out there from Otani to you name it. There's a Japanese pitcher coming into the States from Japan that is rumored the Cubs are in on as well. So the Cubs are trying to build back up, bring Cody Bellinger back, uh, try to go after Juan Soto. It, it, the rumor is is that the Cubs are primed to make a big run at all these um, free agents that are available right now. And coincidentally enough, after Council signed with the Cubs, now the rumor circulating is the Brewers are open for business. They will be willing and able to hear on deals for pretty much anybody. I think there's a few. I'm not surprised to hear that. I think... 
I think you have to. So the team they had was a team that worked for Council. I don't know if it's going to work for anybody else. And I think your your core guys, your Adamases, your Corbin Burns, your Yelich, but you can't move him, uh, Rowdy Telez. I think that group of guys have gotten you as far as you can go. And you have a lot of young guys coming up in the minors that are about ready to play at the big league level. And the outfit, you had brought a bunch of young guys up last year. Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, who missed a good chunk of time injured. Uh, Bryce Terang was one of the better defenders in all of baseball this year. His bat just needs to come alive. Uh, Contreras behind the plate was an incredible steal, and he's a building block for you. And you also have guys coming up like Jackson Churro, um, Je- uh, Jackson Cheerio, Je- uh, Jefferson Churro. You have Tyler Black. You you have a lot of guys that are on the cusp of making it the big leagues, and you got to start making room for them. So guys like. Guys like Arauti Telez or Willie Willie Adamas could be had because you got to make room for the guys in your minors. And he's a free agent at the end of the year. Corbin Burns is a free agent at the end of the year. You might as well get something for those guys before they leave via free agents because you're not going to pay those guys. And with uh, Woody, Brendan Woodworth, out for pretty much the entire 2024 season with his injury, uh, with his shoulder injury, you're, you're, you, you're already hurting right now with that spot. You might as well, as I mentioned, you might as well try to get some guys, try to get some uh, high-level, pro- high-end, major-league-ready prospects for your Corbin Burns. And Willie Adamas, he is what he is. He's not a great hitter. He's a good leader in the locker room. He's a good defender, but his bat leaves a lot to be desired. He, he goes through stretches where... He's beyond ice cold, and then he went through stretches where he is completely and utterly average. He he's not a superstar, and he does he wants to get paid like a superstar, but he's not a superstar. He's a he's a, a good defensive shortstop who has some pop in his bat, and that's about it to me. And I I am not paying, I'm not paying Willie Adams top dollar for the production. That we get week in, week out, day in, day out, um, game in, game out of Willie Adams. I just don't think he's worth the money to spend uh, to bring him in. So I, I'm okay with the Brewers doing a rebuild, sending some pieces away. Not a total rebuild. I don't think Antanasio will ever do a total rebuild. He wants to be competitive because he wants butts and seats. And if you're Oakland Athletic bad, you're not going to have butts and seats. So he he wants to stay competitive, but he is also not opposed to doing a rebuild. And I think that's the direction the Brewers are going to go this offseason. And I'm okay with it. And I think whoever they hire as manager will be very telling what direction they're going in. And they have a lot of options uh, they can go in. As a manager, they can go the in-house option with Pat Murphy, which I I guess I'm okay if you're going to go with the the partial the partial rebuild. I, I I am okay 
with Murphy, I guess. I'd rather go outside of I'd rather go outside of the organization personally, but I wouldn't be opposed to Murphy. Internal candidates, according to Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Sentinel, Walker McLeaven, he's 34, uh, pitching, catching, strategy coach, who uh, he gets the credit for the Brewers catchers being extraordinarily good on the defensive end. Carlos Villanueva, former Brewer pitcher, who is a special assistant to the general manager. If that sounds similar, the pat the manager uh, right before uh, the manager that just left was a special assistant to Doug Melvin before taking over as manager. Pat Murphy, I talked about, he's sixty four, and Rick Sweet Sweet, he's the Nashville Sounds manager, and from my understanding, he would rather stay in Nashville, but he's a name that's been thrown around as well. Some external candidates to know outside of the organization, Joe Espada, Houston Astros bench coach. His name is also coming up for the Houston Astros job as Dusty Baker uh, did retire as the manager of the Astros. So he is a top candidate for that spot. But if he doesn't get it, he would be a candidate really for any of these remaining jobs that are left in baseball. Um, the son of the Atlanta Braves manager, Troy Snicker, he's the Astros hitting coach, 34. His name's popped up as a possible external candidate. Former Milwaukee Brewer player and current Braves hitting coach, Kevin Seitzer, his name is brought up. And with the Braves, he's been... With, he's been a hitting coach with the Braves since 2015 and a hitting coach since 2007. And he's led one of the top offenses in baseball as a hitting coach. And I, I don't, I think we give the hitting coach way too much credit than they deserve. I don't really know exactly what a hitting coach does. I don't think he's the reason for these high powered often offensive per se, but he's obviously knows how to assist hitters, uh, young hitters, develop their back. Because the Braves are a young offense, and they seem to do okay. Wet, uh, Walt Weiss, uh, Braves bench coach, he managed the Rockies, 59. Uh, has been the bench coach since 2018 with Atlanta. Um, he's come up as a possible uh, Brewer replacement for council. Freddie Gonzalez, Baltimore Orioles bench coach. Freddie Gonzalez, we remember that name. He was the manager for the Atlanta Braves. 59, uh, made the playoffs twice in Atlanta. Spent nine seasons as a big league manager with the Marlins and the Braves. And he uh, he helped, as a bench coach, lead a team with a lot of young talent to 101 wins. Also having an extremely low payroll. Clayton McCullough, they, the Dodgers' first base coach. He's interviewed for openings with the Royals and the Mets in the past. And he uh, he seems to be really good when it comes to young players. Rodney Linares, Tampa Bay Rays bench coach. He's another mid-40s guy. He's been in Tampa Bay since 2018. Um, and obviously, Matt Arnold knows the Tampa Bay organization really well. He didn't know. He didn't work with uh, Rodney directly because they didn't cross paths, uh, but he knows Tampa Bay system really well. And maybe Arnold wants to employ the Tampa Bay style of doing things, and maybe he'll bring in Tampa Bay's 
bench coach as a way to start building what Tampa Bay does in Milwaukee. Gabe Kapler, former Brewers outfield, he was fired after four seasons with the Giants, has six years of managerial experience. He led the Giants to 107 win season in 2021, um, but he hasn't really been above 500 otherwise. Uh, but he he's a guy that's named popped up, Marcotze, but he just signed an extension with the Athletics. And of course, there's David Ross, um, who's a possibility. And then you got Jeff Bannister, the Diamondbacks bench coach. Uh, he used to manage the Rangers and Tim Bolger, who is with the Nationals, and he replaced uh, Ron Washington with the uh, Rangers. Andy Green, the Cubs bench coach, he now is available. He was the manager of the Padres for four seasons. And DeMarlo Hale, uh, he was the interim coach in, in Cleveland when uh, in 2021 when Terry Francona needed to take time off. So here's what I do not want, I guess, in the Brewers manager position. <clears throat> I would prefer an external candidate. I would be, I guess, okay, um, reluctantly okay with Pat Murphy. Uh, he's uh, The team knows him. Uh, the team respects him quite a bit. I wouldn't be totally opposed to Pat Murphy, but I would prefer an outside candidate for that spot. Um, that would be my preference. I also would prefer not to have a retread. Somebody who, unless it's a David Ross type situation where he kind of lost a job uh, through no fault of his own, uh, yeah, he hadn't really won much with the Cubs, but they were hoping to build the Cubs into contenders with the one of the heroes of the World Series run. It just didn't work out, and Craig Council became available, and the Cubs made a move. I guess I wouldn't be drastically opposed to that, but I would prefer not to have a retread. And I want a guy that can work with young talent. So I mentioned uh, Clayton McCullough has a reputation of being able to work with young talent. Uh, he's one guy. Um, the uh, the Braves manager's son would be a guy I would be interested in. Uh, Mark DeRosa, who is Team USA manager. He's a guy that's worked with a lot of young guys. So I want somebody that can work and connect and develop young players because the Brewers are going to be a really significantly young team next season and you need a manager that can build and work around young talent so that's kind of my thought on the brewers managerial position if you would have asked me tuesday or monday i would have been a lot more hot-headed in my assessment of council leaving but you know it's been a couple days whatever you know he went to the cubs good for him best of luck to him except when you play milwaukee and I guess he'll see if the grass is greener on the other side where team an owner has deep pockets. That's always been the complaint to Mark Antanasio that he doesn't have the money. Either he doesn't have the money to spend or he's not willing to spend the money. That's always been the criticism of Antanasio. Well, now he's with an owner that has no issue, no problem throwing a crap ton of money at any possible player to try to win a title. So we'll see if the grass is greener on the other side for Craig Council, and we'll see what the Brewers do. But like I said, I want a 
I don't want a retread. I don't want an internal guy. I want a guy who can work with um, work with young talent. That that's ultimately what I'm looking for. Um, moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are currently leading the Indiana Pacers uh, in that game. Giannis has over 50 points uh, for the Bucks. It's 119-117 in the fourth quarter. And Giannis got ejected yesterday. Well, now it's 122-121 Pacers uh, late in that game. Giannis got ejected yesterday for a stupid reason, if you ask me. Um, Giannis should never have been ejected from that game. It was stupid that he got ejected, and he obviously is um, showing his uh, displeasure with that today having uh, 54 points and 12 rebounds here tonight for the Bucks. Unfortunately, hasn't had a lot of help. Uh, Middleton uh, has 16 points on 6-11 shooting, but Middleton's still limited on his minutes. Beasley with 13 points. No Dame, Dame time tonight as he, and then Portis with 11. No Dame time tonight as he missed tonight's game, unfortunately. And it looks like the... Uh, Pacers are going to squeak one out as we are about to be under a minute, uh, probably under a minute by now in that game. And the Bucks right now. Am I worried with the Bucks and Adrian Griffin? The answer right now is easily no. I'm not worried at the moment. Um, I'm I'm not worried with the Bucks at the moment as they have a whole new offensive and defensive system. Um whole new system on both sides of the court. New coach, some new personnel. Giannis is still trying to figure out how to play with Dame. Middleton's still working on he's up to 19 minutes tonight. Middleton's still working on um, finding, uh, getting back to being able to play full minutes after offseason knee surgery. The Bucks, I feel, are going to be fine. If we're looking at December 9th or January 9th even, and the Bucks are still this inconsistent, I would be a little more worried. I would be a little more concerned. But right now, I'm not that worried about the Bucks. I'm not that worried about how they're playing. I'm not that worried overall. It sucks that you're going to let tonight get away after the way you started, being down 38-24 after the first quarter, and you fought your way back in that in this game to have a late lead in this game, and now you're going to likely lose the game, um, as you now you have to follow because you are under 10 seconds to go in the game, and now you're down by two, soon to be three. But I think the Bucs are going to figure out. They're too talented not to. Adrian Griffin seems like he is willing and able to make the adjustments necessary in order to do what works for his team. I think that is a very good quality for him to have. Um, I think that's a great quality for Adrian Griffin, that he is willing to make the adjustments he needs to make in order to win basketball games by bringing the drop defense back with Brooke because it wasn't working early on. I think there's a lot of good qualities that we've seen 
and a lot of bad qualities that we've seen. And I think the majority of that is the Bucks trying to figure out exactly what they are and trying to find their identity. And at the end of the day, they're going to be fine. They're about to fall to five and three. Um, going to be now a half game behind the Pacers, who are going to improve to six and three after tonight. I think we just got to be patient. And like I said, by January, if we're still say, seeing some of the same inconsistency and sloppiness, then we can be a little bit more nervous. But until then, the Bucks are going to be fine. And ultimately, it's the playoffs that that do matter. And I will say. Giannis is 54 points. He's 19 to 25, and he's 16 of 18 from the free throw line. So those are pretty much his NBA Finals numbers. Giannis played his his you know what off. Giannis played his you know what off, and it's not like he took a lot of bad shots. He basically dominated this game from. Uh, and it took a while for his teammates to get involved. And then, unfortunately, I think this is a time right now where they're they're missing Dame, who is your big clutch guy, who would come up with the big shot when you need one, come up with the clutch three. And I think they would have <clears throat> ultimately put this game away um, if Dame would have been uh, able to participate in this game tonight, but he was not able to. And the Bucks, unfortunately going to lose one that they, they shouldn't have been in to begin with, but they fought their way back in, but they just couldn't close it out. And the Pacers get the win, but Bucks fans be fine. Be, be patient. It's okay. Finally, green Bay Packers beat the Los Angeles Rams. Finally, the Packers get the win after being, after being, uh, playing very bad football and not playing well and um, not scoring a lot of points, but they scored a touchdown in the first half for the first time uh, for a while. Uh, The offense moved the football really well. uh, They were efficient. There's a couple times where thanks to penalties that you don't see really ever in their 20 to three win, thanks to a couple penalties you rarely ever see offsides on the offense for example of that um they had they had to punt on a couple fourth downs they they got enough on a quarterback sneak for the first down but then you had the penalty thrown and then the packers ended up punting but jordan love looked better Uh, he did you know he, he missed some throws but he looked better going 20 of 26 for 228 and a touchdown Having Aaron Jones back was a huge reason why I think the offense looks so much better because the offense is better with Aaron Jones in it. The offense performs better. The offense moves moves around better. The offense uh, functions better with Aaron Jones. And we saw that in week one in Chicago, and we saw that with the Rams. And I get the Rams and the uh, and the Bears are not very good football teams. Don't have that strong of defenses, but I think the Packers did a lot of good things. And Dontavian Wicks is continuing to look like a bona fide NFL receiver. Romeo Dobbs continue to make big catches. Luke Musgrave had his first touchdown on a great play design 
where you fake the throw to the flats to both tailbacks, and then you hit Musgrave over the middle. That was a great play call. And then Aaron Jones, who had 73 yards on the ground rushing on 20 carries, but he also added four catches for 26 yards, over 100 yards of total offense. And guess what? The offense played significantly better, and the offensive line played significantly better. So I saw some things offensively that I liked. I liked seeing defensively. I'm not. I'm not overanalyzing this game whatsoever. You're playing against, and I, I've seen the people defending and running the Joe Barry's defense and is defending his honor because now the Packers are a top eight defense in the league. You're a top eight defense in the league because you're just got done playing. Brett Rippon. You've played teams with extremely bad quarterback play these past several weeks. You're we're taking victory laps for playing well defensively against a broken down uh, Derek Carr, against Jimmy Garoppolo who just got benched for Russell Wilson who is not the same Russell Wilson um, of old for going against Cousins, who was struggling in the game before leaving the injury and then playing against a backup quarterback. And then with the Rams, playing against a quarterback that has no business being on an NFL field. Now you got Pickett with the Steelers, who's been struggling this season. And I guess that's a game the Packers could win. Uh, The Steelers' defense is pretty tough. We'll see what, what the Packers' offense can do against this very good um, Steeler defense, but the Packers defense should be able to minimize the damage done by Pittsburgh once again, and it should be a very low-scoring game, probably the 17-10, uh style game. <laughs> the Steelers lead the league in three and outs, and the Packers are not that far behind them in um, three and outs offensively. So you could, I would say if there's an over-under on how many punts we have in this game, I would say bet the over because there's probably going to be a lot of punts in this game. But what I need to see from Joe Barry is after you get done with the Steelers, which hopefully you can leave with the win, you got the Chargers at home on November 19th. You got the Lions on the road on November 23rd, whose offense has been pretty impressive and they destroyed you a couple weeks ago. You got the Chiefs at home on December 3rd. You got, and that's about it on offenses that you're going to face that are pretty good offenses because you also have mixed in there the Packers and the Giants, the Packers and the Buccaneers, two teams that don't play very good um, offense. Then you got the Panthers, who's not very good. Then the Vikings, who's on their backup quarterback and the uh, Bears, who are not that good. So the Chargers-Lions-Chiefs game is going to be very telling to me what the pa- if the Packers' defense is truly improving or not. To me, the defense is fool's gold. I'm not sold on them. I'm not sold on Joe Barry. I'm just not. I think the defense could be much, much better if you had a coordinator that better knew and better understood how to scheme with the talent that you have. I've said it over and over again with the personnel the Packers have. It's a scheme issue, not a talent issue. 
And I think we see that from time to time when the defense, the players um, play better than we, we've seen them play. Um, but I, I, I saw this question going around and uh, uh, KBN uh, show on 94.5 ESPN and 100.5 uh, ESPN, uh, Ben Bruss, Kyle Wallace, Brad Nortman, they had a they had a post. I'm going to pull it up. So KBN had this question, and I think it's a no brainer. But they had this question on X. Over the next four games, would you rather see the Packers go 0 and 4, but Jordan Love plays well, or go 4 and 0 in spite of Jordan Love? 64. Just under 65% of the people said 0-4 and, and Love plays well. And I think that's perfectly the cur- – I think that is truly the right answer um, for this question. I think it is the uh, the right answer. And here's why it's the right answer. If Jordan Love plays well against the defenses of the Steelers and the Chiefs, the Chargers' defense isn't very good and the Lions' defense is iffy, if Jordan Love plays against those four teams and he plays well, but they still go 0-4, I'm seeing what I've been talking about that I've wanted to see all season long, and that is growth from week to week. It's the pack, and you, you look back, and I, this is the only time I'm going to make that connection because I don't think we should compare Rodgers in 08 to Jordan Love now, but Rodgers in 08 played extremely well, and the Packers finished 6 and 10. And that season was telling because it showed us that the Packers had a legit franchise quarterback. It's not about the wins and the losses this year for the Green Bay Packers. It's about seeing guys develop from week to week to see if they are truly the players you need on this team long term, starting with that quarterback position. So Jordan Love playing well, but going 0-4 during that stretch, to me, is a win. It's a win because we're seeing Jordan Love play well. It's also a win, too, because if Jordan Love is playing really well and the Packers are still losing, then it's on the defense. And maybe Joe Barry goes away. I guess that's, a, that's another way to look at it, too. But I think playing well but still losing is better than winning these next four, but struggling, continuing to struggle. Jordan Love continuing to make bad throws and bad reads and whatnot. This season's been about development. We got to figure out if Jordan Love is the guy or not, and we have to figure out after 17 weeks if he depends. doesn't matter on the record after these 17 games. We have to just figure out if he is going to be a long-term solution at quarterback. And I see a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter and or X, whatever it's called, just nonstop bashing anybody that says anything positive about Jordan Love. And then I've seen people bash those fans that bash people that say positive things about Jordan Love. My thing is, is fan how you want to fan. There's no reason to attack and ridicule um, the way other people fan. Let people have their own fun how they want to have the fun. Me, I want to see growth and development and We've seen flashes from Jordan Love. 
Um, but we haven't seen consistency. And that is what I'm looking for for the remainder of the 2023 season. I'm looking for more consistent play, less flashes, and um, more consistent play. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. You can follow me on X at Evan with Sports. You can follow on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Evan with Allison on YouTube. You can watch the show, any of these th- those three platforms live or the recorded video after the live show. The podcast will be available anywhere podcasts are found um, tomorrow morning. And uh, if you are looking for something to do tomorrow night from 7 till 9.30-ish, depending on how long the game takes, I will be bringing you Level four action of WIAA uh, Division One state playoffs, the state semifinals between the Kimberly Papermakers and the Marquette Hilltoppers on 1017 The Truth. You can go visit 1017 The Truth's uh, Facebook, uh, sorry, website, or you can download the Truth app and listen to yours truly offer the play by play in state semifinal action to see who gets to go to Madison. I'll be back with you next week, giving you my latest thoughts on the whole Brewers managerial um, uh, process, uh, update on some of my thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks, and recap the Packers and the Steelers. Have a great rest of your night. Have a great and safe weekend. We'll be back next week.